licensed professional counselor. And so these students have to get a certain amount of credit hours, um, and they're very close to the end of their education in their professional clinical um, education. They've got all the tools, and they provide that as a service to us. So from some of the local uh, Christian colleges uh, in the area, they have these types of programs. And so we've brought some of those students on right now. We have, uh, I think, three. Uh, just a few weeks we had four. One just completed her practicum, and they have had great success. Uh, in the first three months of that program last year, we had more post-abortive counseling through that program than we had in 10 years. Mm. Now, if I get this right, they are elsewhere getting an education and learning, and then they come to Birth Choice now and able to get practical, real-life experience of uh, working with yes. real people in crisis pregnancies, right? Did I get that right? Absolutely. All right. What a great partnership that is. And so uh, that is awesome. Let me uh, bring Shelly into the conversation. I know that's you probably have a whole lot more to talk about what's going on, but Shelly, you uh, go way back. Uh, we were talking earlier about all the different places that we have uh, been, and I yeah. know I know how far somebody goes back by the fact that you used to actually host a show called The Tipping Point at our yeah. first office over at Stemmons and Regal Row. So, thank you for your continued support. You're a sponsor of our Summer Speaker Series event, uh, which is going to be about a, a week and a half away from when this airs. Uh, what got you involved with Birth Choice? You know, uh, in the very beginning, when Birth Choice was started, obviously you have to raise money. So, the first thing my brother-in-law. Paul Stanzel and David Holder and I started the first two fundraisers for Birth Choice. And the original event was a concert at the Biblical Arts Museum performed, a violin concert, performed by an internationally renowned violinist called mm. Hubert uh, Prelitz. Yeah. And so he did that. And so then after that, I served on the board for Birth Choice. And then I took a hiatus for a couple of years, and they invited me back. So I um, came back and was involved. And what I do primarily, what I bring to the board, is development assistance. And uh, we have a, a, a chairman of our subcommittee who's also on the board named Corla Rinaldi. And so I advise her, and then I also work on the deals. And may I tell you about our benefit? Mm, yes, please. Yes. Okay. Well, this is a little unusual too. We've always tried to do kind of unusual fundraisers for Bird Choice. Uh, we had a, a Christmas concert uh, every year at the Meyerson that I created that and worked on it some different years. I've chaired it. And uh, so our latest is we are doing a big band dinner dance mm. at the Dallas Country Club in celebration of overturning Roe v. Wade. Mm, and what we're doing is there's no program. There's going to be maybe a few remarks, less than 10 minutes. So it is a true celebration. And if you don't dance, that's okay, because <laughs> people, it, it is all, it's going to be all big band music. Yeah, uh, yeah, You can mingle around. It's like you're going to eat your meal, but then the rest of the evening you can just walk around and talk to people. Uh, uh, live band or uh, DJ? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Live, live, live band. A live okay. seven-piece big band. Oh, wow. So wow. It's, That's it, very throwback, isn't yeah, it? Uh, totally. Yeah. And the theme yeah. is 1940s, the decor, um, everything we're doing. There are a lot of unusual things. Um, so it's it's not going to be your normal kind of event. Yeah. And as yeah. far as pricing goes, it's two fifty, five hundred, a thousand, And then if you want to sit at the bishop's table, it's 1500 this is Dancing with the Bishop, right? Dancing with the uh, Bishop. Yeah, what a great title yeah, for that. Yeah. I saw that email come through. Yeah, Corley came up with that. Yeah. So, no, it is. And the bishops are actually going to judge. Both bishops are going to be there. There's going to be a dance contest 
with semi-professional ballroom dancers. There's going to be six of them. And the whole thing is going to be tangos. The whole thing is going to be maybe 12 minutes for all the dancing. So uh-huh. it's not a long time. But then the bishops are going to judge whoever wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's but, kind of So fun. 1940s, I think like it's a wonderful life. Yeah. You know, that era. Remember yeah. they had that dance and the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the floor came apart. Hopefully that won't happen, right? I, I, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> he falls into the pool. Uh, well, that is so original. You're such a creative person. So, oh, well, thank uh, and, you. Uh, and kudos to you, Aaron, for having such a, amazing people on your board. Uh, tell us uh, something else. You talked about the, uh, the Master Associate and now we got the the big band uh, dance and dinner coming up. Uh, what is the date on that? Uh, September the 29th. It's a September Friday night. September 29th. Okay. I think that's the Feast of the Archangels, if I'm, if I'm right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We can, we can check into that. I don't know if there's a tie-in or not. But uh, all right. So, so what else is going on? Um, you know, really uh, encountering the client where mm-hmm. they're at right now because a post-Row Texas um, impacts them directly. Their perspective, their needs – uh, the resources that we can provide to them, that is our main focus right now, is understanding better and tracking with them where they're at, what their needs are, um, and facilitating the opportunities they have for success in mm-hmm. life, given all of the obstacles. And how, what kind of traffic are you getting as far as the number of uh, women or couples coming in daily or weekly or monthly? Uh, how busy is it over there? Um, we've maintained a pretty consistent, you know, three to seven clients a day, um, varying in their interests and needs. And so the uh, the challenge really is understanding, you know, what that looks like as that's changed because the abortion facility um, their Southwestern was the largest in the state of Texas. It produced um, a, a lot of carnage out of that facility, and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. And so the client type has shifted a little bit. We've been getting a lot of clients from farther out of town, um, a lot of clients that are in their process of trying to go to New Mexico and get abortions. Um, couples, married couples coming in and trying to identify, like, hey, is abortion the right option for us? and providing them the opportunity uh, to really thrive given their difficult situations. But one thing that has happened is, uh, for you all who didn't know it, the Southwest Women's Clinic was across the parking lot from us. And some days they would have up to 75 people going in for abortions. Mm. A lot of them were going in for uh, chemical abortions, just going to a window, not even seeing a doctor. So they sold that building and made a huge profit on it. Opened up another place for a little while, and I guess they've closed that. Mm-hmm. But they are still sending, because that doctor did late-term abortions all the way through birth in New Mexico. So they are still sending people to other states, mm. and they're, they're funneling them to his clinic. But so that's the type of thing to where just because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and in Texas we've got the heartbeat law, people are still looking for abortions, and a lot of them. So we are still doing abortion counseling and so that's something that people under, need to understand is that on one hand, we have had a huge increase in need because people are having their babies if they're mm-hmm. poor, yeah. if they can afford it, or if one of these nonprofits, including Pan Parenthood, is sending them to other states, well, they still need the abortion counseling. So it's one of those things to where it's, it's great news, but there, there are still issues with it. Yeah, and Aaron, that, that I wanted to ask that. I'm glad you all led into that. Is is there still some confusion about, uh, oh, we probably don't even need a birth choice any longer. Everything's, you know, the, abortion's illegal in Texas. They're all gone. And uh, have you had to overcome that 
misconception? There's there's plenty of that, and Shelley is absolutely right. Um, the the real challenge is the the individual that is either praying or donating or involved uh, through volunteer work. Um, the act, the activity of individuals in difficult situations pursuing a solution like abortion is really significant in mm-hmm. Texas still. It never really had this 60-80% shift because of the legislation. Perfect example, um, throughout 2021 and the SB8 change, we had talked about that a little bit, they were promoting 50% abortion reduction and this and that. Uh, Oklahoma went up 150%. Mm-hmm. They just went you know, two or three hours north to get their abortion. And now that abortion is illegal in Texas, Louisiana, um, I think Oklahoma's got some good legislation there to, to protect themselves. But New Mexico, I mean, people are just being funneled over there. They're opening new abortion facilities mm-hmm. in New Mexico. Isn't it also true, and either of you can comment on this, I mean, we could be one election away from everything turning again. Yeah. And making. I mean, it's not like abortion is always going to be illegal in Texas. We pray it will be. Yeah. But, you know, one election going the wrong way, and it could all be flipped again, right? Well, another thing that could happen at any time through any legislative session is right now crisis pregnancy centers get the, the money that would normally go to Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So when we, we, we do a certain amount of things, then we, we get th- this money. It's called the PPN. And so what happens is um, the, the legislature has to renew that every single year to take the money away from plan. plan. I mean, not every yeah. single year, every single legislative session. Yeah. And so the chances are if Texas becomes more of a blue state, which it actually is in many areas, already blue in some areas, that is going to could affect us about how much money we get yeah. and when we need it. Because because we need every dime that we can get. And it all goes directly to counseling the free sonograms. We do 3D sonograms. And so we have registered nurses on staff. And so, and then doctors whom we work with that we can t- send clients to. And then over 50 nonprofits that we can help them get housing. Whatever they need, we've got it available or we can send them to places. And we have that, that website again, support.birthchoice.com. Dallas.org, and that uh, we'll talk more about that. I know you also have a position available that you want to talk about as well. You know, the thought popped in my mind <clears throat> as we were uh, talking about just the spiritual warfare when Shelley was talking about, you know, the, the abortion, late term abortions happening in this basically the same corner of, of that Greenville and Royal where you guys are, and here you are trying to save lives and they're taking lives. Yeah. I think of that movie, uh, I don't know if you've seen Nefarious about it, it has that. Um, I uh, that, just- just saw that. Yeah, and, and it, it has an abortion theme. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it just shows the spiritual attacks. And how how do you as a um, as an organization combat that? I'm sure there's a lot of prayer support. You've got people praying, I think, outside all the time. But you must feel a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare going on, Aaron. Absolutely, and it, it hits the team, it hits the board, it hits the clients, it hits our volunteers and supporters in different ways. Um, but the way we combat that is having very close relationships with spiritual fatherhood. We have a fantastic board member uh, who has guided us, who's a very close relationship with Shelley. Um, and Father, he Father has, Robert yeah, Father mm-hmm. Robert McGuire has just given us a wealth of um, spiritual orientation and um, just on the high level, on the practical level, 
Um, my team is very committed to like personal growth and development on their own spiritual lives. And we pray together every day and have as often as we can that we have um, priests. So if any priests are listening and want to support the organization and the work and, and the spiritual combat um, and participate with us in that, come and celebrate mass, come mm-hmm. and offer some confession and, and be present, uh, you know, come and bless the team. You know, that's a, uh, more blessings, it never hurts anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the reality is, is, is that the team is really well united and, and a, a highly tuned operation that understands the spiritual warfare and isn't intimidated by it. Yeah. Another thing is that we have a chapel and we have adoration there. Oh, wow. So it's uh, anybody's welcome to come pray. Everybody's working to come and do the adoration. What are the hours on adoration? Uh, first Fridays, and we have from 8 o'clock, and depending on how many people sign up, all the way into midnight or the next day. Oh, wow. And the public is invited to come and just stop in and pray if they'd like? Yeah, of course. We have you know select individuals that, that we have on the list, and so we have um, a reoccurring um uh, group that's really committed to that. And then we go through a vetting process of those that want to participate. It's uh, very similar to how many parishes do. So you go and you have to sign up. Yeah. And, you know, you have a conversation and you understand the responsibility of being there alone with the Lord and you, you, that commitment. You know, there, there's another degree. It's not just like going to the fair. Yeah. There's a level of commitment and understanding that um, you need to be inculturated in to really give that adoration appropriately. Yes. We are talking about Birth Choice of Dallas, their website, client website, birthchoicedallas.org, their uh, website for supporting them, donating. Um, I'm not sure if there's information about the uh, Dancing with the Bishop <laughs> uh, event on uh, is support.birthchoicedallas.org, support.birthchoicedallas.org. Let's move into that. Uh, you're looking for somebody. When you first reached out to us, this was the, the main thing I think that you wanted to talk about. Is it a development person, major gifts, or what, what kind of position is available right now? Right now we have a development director role open. Um, our previous development director, uh, her family uh, needed to urgently move to another state. And okay. so Providence was really good to them and they've made that transition. Um, right now, Birth Choice is looking for a very passionate, talented individual that is ready to go and fight against the culture of death supporting directly the team who supports the client. And so that person that really feels um, inclined and called and has those gifts to encounter individuals every single day and have conversation after conversation about the tragedy of abortion and the grave evils that our society has promoted and stay on top of that. Stay really involved and really committed to helping the community understand the great need that exists. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's really important for a development director is they need to be, it's basically a sales job. And what you're doing is you are selling the organization and the mission to other people. So in order to do that, the best development directors are people who have a natural talent for the gift of the gab. <laughs> they're good. You know, they're they like people too. Yeah, right? They've got to yeah. like people yeah. and they've got to be able to talk well. And it's something that if, if you talk well and you have it coming from your heart, that that is most effective. And um, another thing that the development directors need to do is be self-motivated, like mm-hmm. saying, oh, yeah, I need to go over to St. Anne's and speak to the pro-life group. Let me call them and make a reservation mm-hmm. I mean, an appointment. Okay, yeah, you know, I need to go over to Christ the King, and I need to talk to the Altar Society. So I'm going to call them and see if they'll let me speak. 
I'm going to call a goddess. You know, yeah. all these different things. And it needs to be somebody who is the ideal person, would be someone who's creative, a wonderful communicator. They need to be able to write well. They need to be thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, face it, when you're a charity, you have so many you know, I don't want to call them competitors, but a person can donate to so many different kinds yeah. of charities that that <clears throat> you need to be making sure that they understand how crucial the pro-life world is. Mm-hmm. And it, it is crucial. So the, for the development director, that's what we need. Uh, it would be wonderful if they had uh, experience doing special events, not just fundraisers, but tours. Um, setting up tours once a month or twice a month for groups, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so, and, and then if they don't have a lot of experience in doing fundraisers, they need to be open to instruction about how to do it. Yeah. All so, right. That's a very, very so good uh, explanation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this position is available immediately. And if they want to apply, do they just go to the website or what should they do? They'll send me an email of their resume and an interest letter, um, director at birthchoicedallas.org. Director at birthchoicedallas.org. They send me directly that email. Uh, I'll call them and we'll have a conversation and invite them in, tour, and really, you know, help them understand what the organization is, does, if they're not already familiar, mm-hmm. and find out if that calling is real and if those talents line up and they can um, really toe the line in encouraging the community to invest in the culture of life. And another thing, too, is obviously if you don't remember the email address, you can just Google us and get the phone number. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. you know, that, that uh, I'm sure anybody who's self-motivated yeah, is not yeah. going to need to know that. Yeah. Director at birthchoicedallas.org. <laughs> okay, if I can remember it, so can you listening. Okay, so that is a director of development position for Birth Choice. And uh, you can just uh, email uh, Aaron Fowler, uh, A-A-R-O-N, uh, 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 Aaron Fowler, uh, Executive Director of Birth Choice. And Shelly Stanzel is also here with us. And we are down to our last uh, few minutes, believe it or not. Uh, do you need volunteers, any other positions? I know, uh, I think one time you came in and you needed some uh, counselors or some staff. What, what, what are the other needs there? Oh, right now we're fully staffed except for the Development Director role. Um, okay. But really the, the volunteers, we have some front desk opportunities, some administrative opportunities on the back end. Um, we encounter our clients with highly trained professionals. And so that seems to produce the greatest impact directly to them uh, according to uh, you know what we've experienced and what our understanding of their needs are. And, and another thing, too, is we can always use doctors um, to where the, the, who we can send clients to if they need to see a doctor. So the more doctors we can have in our loop, that is great. Okay. Yeah, any medical professionals that have an interest in wanting to support the organization, um, there's always going to be uh, an interest in that understanding, like what what's the next step for mm-hmm. Birchmore? What are the real needs that are unveiling over time uh, for the client? Uh, but really, for the rest of the community, you know, your listeners, um, that spiritual warfare is very real. It's not a hey, there's spiritual warfare. It, it hits hard, mm-hmm. and yeah. so being an authentic, profoundly praying Christian, that that individual that is attending the liturgy has a sacramental life. Think of us, you know, offer your prayers for our clients, for our staff. That really goes a long way in making that an intentional long-term thing. It's like a tidal wave and it really hits um, home. 
and creates a direct impact to the client. Yeah, I want to try to cover two more things in about uh, two and a half minutes. But uh, I get these emails from you all saying, pray for Sally or pray for Aaron. And these are... Uh, actual clients or that I guess allow you to use a name or, a, or a, of course a, we always a, use pseudonames. Yeah, yeah, pseudonames. So we're always so, taking pseudonames, yeah. but those stories are very real. Okay. Um, and if some are a little too specific, we might adjust one, you know, content so as not to expose the client for yeah. their privacy. Um, but those are our advocates writing those stories on their experiences. And okay. so the reason we have a prayer and a praise is that there are two sides to this war. There is a real battle and sometimes there is, is loss on that side. And equally, there are victories. And the victory is the client's victory. It's not birth choice's victory. Yeah. We are facilitating an opportunity for them to thrive and empower their life to choose better, to be oriented towards the good and bring a new life into this world. And so the, um, that, that great impact point is that Praying, pr- praying and praising are two of the four modes of prayer that the mm. church teaches. Yeah, amen. And can we recap the Dancing with the Bishop event? Yeah, uh, this I, sounds very exciting. It's going to be September 29th, uh, so still uh, July, August, a couple months away. Yeah, uh, and if, you, if you'd like to come or you would like to donate if you can't come, uh, please let us know. And like I said, if you don't remember the website address, just call Birth Choice and they'll, they'll forward you over to Corley or... Me. And uh, so it's Dancing with the Bishops, a big band, dinner dance, no basic program, okay. raffle tickets, and uh, both bishops going to be there. And there's going to be a competition. Is a dancing competition? There is a ballroom dancing okay. competition between some semi-professional ballroom dancers, and the bishops are going to be the judge. Oh, okay. Very so, nice. So I the bishops it. are not actually dancing. So they dancing. go out there and tap them when yeah, they have to get off the dance floor, that kind of thing? <laughs> you know, I tell you, it's interesting because it's going to be about 12 minutes, and a lot of them are going to do different kinds of tangos. Oh, yeah. We have a board yeah. member named Dr. Elvira Lim, and she is in this ballroom dancing group. So she's been organizing the whole the whole contest. We're All excited. Right. Uh, all right. So let me just uh, have enough time to give the websites out again, birthchoicedallas.org and also support.birthchoicedallas.org. Uh, Aaron Fowler, executive director, and also Shelly Stanzel, board member uh, and involved in Birth Choice for the last nine years. Thank you both uh, Thank so you. much uh, for being here and uh, appreciate you reaching out as well, Aaron. Thank you, Dave. And uh, please pray for Birth Choice, uh, attend their events. And if you think you're the right person for that uh, director of development position, uh, email director at birthchoicedallas.org. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thanks to James for running the board. This has been the interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM. God bless you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, This is a program that uh, we air twice a week uh, during the 3 o'clock hour on Saturdays, and it always has something to do with local Catholic news and information. And I just love how many people are inspired to do beautiful things for God and for Our Lady and for the Church. And uh, today is definitely going to fall into that category because a dear friend of mine whom I have known for many, many years uh, is here in studio with me. Her name is Ingrid Meyer, and uh, you might know her from her uh, tremendous work with the Catholic pro-life community for many years, and she's bilingual and has just been able to bless so many people in uh, both, you know, 
communities here locally and also both languages as well. So uh, we agreed we're going to do this interview in English, okay? So <laughs> uh, she is, uh, in case you haven't heard, the founder of a wonderful uh, apostolate ministry called Semper Maria, which, uh, of course, uh, is Latin for always Mary, forever yes. Mary, something like that. And we're going to talk about what the, this is all about. So welcome. Thanks for being here. So thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. Isn't it exciting when you feel kind of the, the Holy Spirit pushing you in a particular direction? And of course, we always have free will, but uh, I, I'm guessing that's kind of how this all came about. Or can you tell me the, the history of it, how, how long it's been around, and just also kind of a thumbnail sketch of what it is? Yes, thank you. It is. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit is the one who moves us. And all we need to do is give our yes. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else, God provides for us. But we have to give them our yes. And that's exactly what happened to me. I've been giving presentations of Our Lady of Guadalupe for many years now. And uh, after I stopped working in pro-life movement, I was wondering what God wanted for me. And I was going to look for a new job. But then that's when I got the inspiration with Semper Maria. So I am very blessed and honored to be able to uh, give my presentations with the relic image of Our Lady of Guadalupe present. Mm. So this relic image, it lives at the Highlands School at the chapel. And they're so generous that they allow me to uh, take her everywhere to sick people also and to give presentations. Why is she a relic? Because St. John Paul II, he wanted there to be at least one image in each country because he knew the power and the importance of Our Lady of Guadalupe. From her, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart will come. Mm -hmm. So, and she is the woman from Revelations twelve one, mm-hmm. Our Lady of Guadalupe. So she is very important and very much needed, especially in our times, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he asked uh, for copies to be made, digital copies. There were 220 digital copies made for 197 countries. Real, real size, right? Yes, the actual they, size. it is yeah. an exact copy. Yeah. And um, they were blessed. They were touched to the tilma. That's why she's a relic. And the most important thing, they extended the graces that were given on December 12, 1531 to this image. Mm. That means that when you pray in front of this image, it's as if you were at the in front of the Ayate or Tilma yeah. in Mexico City at the Basilica. Mm. How amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. And that, we have it right here in like, Dallas. like time travel, isn't yes. it, in, in a sense? It's kind of like when we receive the Eucharist, we are taken back to Calvary, right? And uh, that's a representation of the uh, the death of Christ on the cross. And so it's very similar in a very different way where you're kind of brought back to 1531 and mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that those beautiful historical moments uh, so I know you, you're of you, you, um, you're, you're Mexican. I don't know if you're Mexican born, but you're uh, a Mexican ancestry. And um, yeah, my, mo- your my parents mother's are from Mexico. Mexico. My mother's from Mexico. So that probably plays into your love for Our Lady Guadalupe. But uh, how did this great passion develop in you for Our Lady? And how long? How far back does that go for Our Lady Guadalupe? I think, um, well, I've always been close to Our Lady mm-hmm. in general. You know, Fatima was a big one. Lourdes, that's where everything started. But um, my kids used to go to St. Thomas Aquinas School, and I was asked one time to 
give a presentation uh, from something from Mexico. And I said, well, it's a Catholic school. Why not Our Lady of Guadalupe? And that's how it started. I started mm-hmm. investigating, and then I started taking classes and courses, and I read books and watched videos, and that's how I've been learning more and more about her. Yeah. And every time, there's always something new, Dave. That's the amazing part. They are always discovering something new, on the tilma. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's not over yet, is mm-hmm. it? Uh, and that, that that's the amazing thing. And probably a thousand years from now, they're probably still going to be still searching things out. So Well, we have her 500th anniversary coming up yeah. in 2031. So I know something special is coming. Yeah, that's a real flashpoint, obviously. And I know that Bishop Burns has kind of focused on that with the Dallas Synod, Synod. and that that's when that's going to conclude. I think it's a 10-year process. We can talk about that as well, but uh, you know, you, you were kind enough to give me this flyer that uh, is very beautiful, by the way, and it uh, has a couple of headings, and one of them is Pray, Pray Hail Mary's. Yes. And I know this is something that I have been involved in somewhat, not as much as I would like to, but I try to. Uh, t- tell us about this campaign. Okay, so uh, in March, we started with inviting people to pray Hail Marys on the first Saturday of the month. We all know that, or maybe maybe some of you know about the devotion of the five Saturday, first Saturdays, mm-hmm. right? Where Our Lady of Fatima re- requires that we go to Mass, that we pray the Rosary. So based on that, I think is why I got this calling to invite people to pray Hail Marys. And it doesn't have to be a rosary because not everybody is ready to be praying a rosary. So if you're out there and you're listening, if you can pray one Hail Mary, please, Mm -hmm. you can be part of this. Right. So we pray Hail Marys. And I'm so excited to tell you that this month on June the 3rd, which was the first Saturday of the month, we prayed over 22,500 Hail Marys. Yeah, and those total. are documented, right? I mean, yes. people have told you how many they prayed. Yes. yes, people pledge and then they they confirm. So there's several ways you can do it, but the easiest is just sending me an email to guadaluperelic at gmail.com and just letting us know. And then your petitions, you can also send in your petitions. We print them off and we place them in a basket at the foot of the relic image of Our Lady of mm. Guadalupe. Now, the, 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 the 22,000, is that what you said, mm-hmm. uh, that were prayed last Saturday as of this recording, and the first Saturday of July, you'll be doing the same thing. Now, are those only the ones that are prayed on that particular day, or can people, can they build them up in advance and say, okay, between now and the first Saturday, I've prayed this many. Yeah. Is that how no. it works? Okay. No, it's only on the first Saturday. Okay. But this is to invite people so they can start praying more Hail Marys. Mm. And why Hail Marys? Because Hail Mary, it's such a beautiful prayer. What does it involve? It involves first, well, the Holy Spirit, well, God the Father asking Mary, right, to be the mother of his son, the Holy Spirit, the incarnation, the message from the Gabriel angel, I mean, from the angel Gabriel. We have also the visitation. Mm-hmm. And, and then what comes from out of it? The great Magnificat. That yeah, Our Lady, yeah. you know, recites. So this prayer is such a powerful prayer. So if you're unable to do a complete rosary, pray Hail Marys. One Hail Mary can be so powerful 
Yeah. I was at a men's conference recently and I saw a video, perhaps you've seen it, about the power of one Hail Mary uh, and th- that man who, an ambulance went by and he, he didn't know what to do and so he just prayed a Hail Mary and it ended up that, that that saved the woman's life. She came back and found him because Jesus put an image of the man who prayed the Hail Mary to her and said, this this one Hail Mary saved your life and so she went back and found him to thank him. So, uh, I'm getting goosebumps. Uh, def- definitely, yeah. uh, that, that's, uh, and I, I don't remember the exact name, but I, I think if you go on YouTube and search the power of one Hail Mary, you can uh, find that as well. It is. powerful. So that's why we invite people to pray and we need to repair the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we yeah. are, during her month, this is the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So we need to repair. There's so many things, so many blasphemies against her Immaculate Heart. And this is a way to repair them. Yes. Amen. Uh, my, my guest is Ingrid Meyer. She is the founder of Semper Maria. The um, email that she gave, Guadalupe Relic at gmail.com, Guadalupe Relic at gmail.com. And again, as we approach the first Saturday of July and then August and September and October, uh, let her know how many Hail Marys you pray on that Saturday. And she, uh, it's like a, like a gift to Our Lady. And we just, we'll never know how many blessings are coming out of it. Yeah, you've already spoken about the relic image of Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, tell us more about that and opportunities that parishes and groups have. We, we've taken advantage of it as a Guadalupe Radio Network. And you will have it. And we're going to have summer. it July 20th. Uh, last year uh, with Bishop Strickland's event, we had it there. And it, it made such a big difference to have her there with us. And thanks be to God and to you. We're going to have it again at the uh, July 20th Summer Speaker Series event. But uh, tell us about the opportunities for other groups around the, the, the Metroplex. Yes. So besides doing the first Saturday Hail Marys, we are taking the relic image to a different parish in the Diocese of Dallas. So that is wonderful. First of all, we get to go to different parishes and know the parishes within our diocese, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, that parish has the opportunity to receive the relic image. We try to do it closer to the vigil mass. So then maybe, let's say mass is at five, so maybe we can be there since three or four. We try to pray the rosary before, and then after mass, maybe we pray another rosary. So then we get Mm -hmm. all these Hail Marys, right? For Our Lady. But people are able to be there and spend time with Our Lady. Yeah, I was just telling you that we were just, this past uh, Saturday, we were at St. Cecilia, and it was such a beautiful day. We had the Matachines, which is the dancers from that parish, receive Our Lady dancing, and then we had the rosary, and we had music and people singing. So it was such a beautiful way to mm-hmm. honor our mom. And I always say, Dave, when we honor our mother, we glorify our God. Yes. Amen. And that's the thing that you, you, we want our Protestant brothers and sisters to understand because a lot of them feel almost scandalized by how much Catholics love Our Lady. And granted, some people, you know, you can't elevate her to the role of God, but, you know, we, we can't do that. That would be heresy. And we no. don't do that. We we ask for her intercession. We revere her. We honor her. We love her. Uh, but uh, without that relationship with Our Lady, the relationship with Jesus just cannot be as strong, can it? No, and she is the mother of God. Yeah. And she's our mother because she was given to us by Jesus at the foot of the cross, right? Mm -hmm. So she is very important. And Our Lady of Guadalupe, the most important thing about her is not, yes, our mother is wonderful, 
but that she's Christ-centered. She is pregnant with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing. And her mission, as well as always, is to bring us closer to her son. She brings Jesus to us. Yes, yes. Many years ago, I I know I've told you this story. I I must have when that image came to our office. uh, With the roses? Yeah, and I I was blessed with the smell of these, the most beautiful Castilian roses. And I'm looking around at the the people who were, you know, with the image. And I said, do y'all smell this? Do y'all smell that? They said, no. They said, you've been touched. And I, I know we don't go into it expecting something miraculous like that, but that was clearly a very important moment in my spiritual life, but do you every now and then get reports of miracles or healings that are associated with this image? Yes. In fact, I just got a call last year. I took her to uh, down to the Diocese of Brownsville, and I think I gave oh over 10 presentations and took her to different parishes and to over 1,000, 1,200 people. Mm -hmm. And one of those um, people that was there, she just called me and she said, look, I didn't want to call you before because I wanted to make sure it's been almost a year, but I have been cancer-free for a year since Our Lady came and I was with her. I had this miracle. Mm -hmm. And like that, there's been several. So if you or a loved one or somebody you know is sick and you live close in this area, you are welcome to send us an email. And if we can, you know, we will coordinate and we can take her to this person's house, even for just a little while. But that is also part of our mission, you Mm -hmm. know, to take her because she is the healer who her first miracle was the fifth apparition in Mexico city. When she appeared to the uncle of St. Juan Diego Mm At his house when he was dying, remember Juan Diego, he said, oh, let me go another way so I don't encounter Our Lady because he had to go get the roses. And uh, of course she appeared and she's like, where are you going? Mm -hmm. Am I not here? I who am your mother. But she said more. She said, I who has the honor and the joy of being your mother, Mm -hmm. I will take care of you. Come to me. And then immediately she went to the uncle and healed him. That was the first miracle. So Our Lady wants to help us. She wants to bring us to God, and she brings healing through her son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in her womb. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. Amen. Uh, Ingrid Myers, my guest. Semper Maria, tell us about the choosing of that name. It almost sounds like the Marine, uh, you know, the Semper Fi, you yeah. know, always faithful, but Semper Maria. How did you choose that? Well, through prayer, Uh I was praying. I was like, okay, Mary, do you really want me to do something? Okay, what should I name this apostle? And then just Semper Semper came into my head. And I'm like, okay, because everything is always through Mary. Mm -hmm. You know, I always go to Mary. So then... That's how Semper Maria came. Yeah. Came yeah. about. And I love how you brought up the message uh, that Our Lady gave to Juan, St. Juan Diego back in 1531, because I don't know that enough Catholics realize what she said. We we focus a lot about Fatima and the vision of hell and the secrets, and that, that seems to be more talked about. And, and, and I'm glad it is, because that's an amazing apparition. 
But uh, that, I think that is part of your apostolate. I, obviously, it is because my daughter and I came and watched you give a presentation one time. But just educate people yes. about our letter. It's more than a. It's more than an image. It's it, there's there's a lot behind this 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 visit to Juan Diego, isn't it? Yeah. There? So imagine uh, when the when the Spaniards first arrived and they brought the Franciscan friars. Those first ten years after the conquest, maybe a few thousand converted to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But after Our Lady appeared, over 9 million converted in the following next 10 years. Yeah. So why? Because they understood the message. So there's so many symbols and so many messages on her image. And that's what I go and I explain and I give presentations on. And people can't remember every little thing that we talk about but what they do need to focus, and I hope that that's my goal for them to have in their hearts to know how much Mary loves us mm-hmm. and how much she wants to guide us and bring us to her son. Yeah. yeah. That's everything she does mm-hmm. is to bring us to her son. She lives in God's divine will. Yes. Amen. Uh, Semper Maria. So pray the Hail Marys. The, the relic image of Our Lady Guadalupe is available. How, uh, um, do you have the next few months already scheduled for parishes? How many no, of those so can you tell us about? I would like to invite you, if you ha- would like to receive the image, the relic image of Our Lady at your parish, you can please send us that email at Guadalupe Relic. Um, guadaluperelic at gmail.com and remember it's the first Saturday of the month and we will be happy to take her we can coordinate this uh, July 1st we already have uh, a parish that's working I think it might be Holy Family so Mm -hmm. we're working on that and uh, but we have the rest open so please give us a call uh, send us an email and we will be happy to coordinate and see you there this is like a full time job for you isn't it Uh, Uh, can you take donations can people support you or is uh, is that something that 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 you you can accept well we don't ask for anything when we go to take our lady but yes donations are welcome we in fact we are going to start with a process of becoming a nonprofit because dave there's the calling from our lady that we feel that it's not only what we do now but she needs to she wants us to extend this to the world so mm-hmm. we will be looking to get over 500 images that hopefully will be relics also and distribute them around the world, starting with every diocese in the United States. Like the one that you bring around that's yes. at the Highlands, you want to get 500 of those. Yes. Wow, that's going to, I mean, it's, do, it's you, a big you're gonna challenge. Have to, do you know Monsignor Chavez? Or yes, we do? met. I was just in Mexico and I went to talk to him and I asked for his help, but he said right now it's difficult with the way things are, but maybe in a year and a half it might be. So, if you have any connections with the Cardinal in Mexico, <laughs> please connect me because I'm trying to get an appointment with him yeah. to start working on this. So we have eight years to get this accomplished. So please, and if you would like to help in any way, we are all welcome. Please, uh, we need volunteers and just coordinating to go to parishes is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Uh, the, the email is guadaluperelic at gmail.com, guadaluperelic at gmail.com. We're talking about Semper Maria. And uh, have you seen in the last few months, you said 22,000 Hail Marys uh, the first Saturday of June. Has that just been growing? Um, yes. The first one we started, which is when I got that calling and it was, 
not on the first Saturday. I just felt Mary wanted me to pray. I invited a few friends and posted on Facebook, and we got 8,000 Hail Marys. Oh, wow. And that's when I knew she wanted more, Mm -hmm. and she wanted it on the first Saturday. So we've been growing ever since. Yeah, you know, our um, Toya Hall, who you know, has this thing that she says a lot. She says, uh, our Lord loves to surprise his children. And it must be very exciting doing the work that you're doing because you just never know what, how God wants to excite you, how God wants to move this forward. And it really, and I'm, and I know for, from who, who you are, it's, it's all God, right? You're just an instrument, kind of like Juan Diego was an instrument. And, uh, that, that's, it's, it's, it's freeing, but, but you just have to kind of let God and the Our Lady work through you, don't you? Well, that's my goal to try to be like Juan Diego, and to invite others to be the Juan Diegos of our times, to give this message to all our brothers and sisters who maybe don't know her. Mm -hmm. And please, do not consider Our Lady of Guadalupe only for Mexico. She came for the entire world. Yes, she appeared in Mexico, but she came to unite all the cultures in the world. Because she is our mother. Yeah. Do you find that that is a roadblock for a lot of uh, maybe Anglo people or yes. people from other countries? It's, it's a Mexican that, thing. Yes. Yeah. That they're like, oh, oh, yeah, if you're going to have Our Lady of Guadalupe, why don't you go with the Hispanics? I'm like, no, she's not only for the Hispanics, she's for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't miss out. Yeah. Don't miss out on all these beautiful graces that we receive just being with her. Yeah. And that's why you're the perfect perfect person because you have a foot in both cultures and both languages and obviously speak really good English and really good mm-hmm. Spanish. And so, yeah, gosh, th- this is awesome. I, it's exciting to see how, how God's working through you. And uh, as you mentioned before, it, well, the culture desperately needs this. I mean, the culture in so many ways is just falling apart. We need our lady so badly and we need to, we need to pray. We need her. And you know what? Um, what I love is that I started in pro-life, but this is for me a continuation of pro-life because our lady is the patron saint of the unborn. Yeah. She's pregnant with Jesus. She brings life to us, not only through her son in the womb, but through eternal life, right? Yeah. Through her yeah, son. Exactly. So, um, so this is the perfect way to continue that pro-life mission too of, uh, talking how important life is. Yeah. Amen. Well, Ingrid, thank you so much for, uh, what you're doing and also for coming and visiting the studio again to talk about this. I just invite everybody to please, if you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit and uh, saying that this is something you'd like to be involved in, uh, say, say those prayers on the first Saturday of July and August and let her know how many you've prayed. Guadalupe relic at gmail.com. Maybe you're at a parish and you would like to invite, uh, Ingrid to, to bring the relic image of Our Lady Guadalupe to your parish on a first Saturday upcoming. Uh, just uh, Or just have general questions about what she's doing. Maybe you want to support her financially or prayerfully. Just get in touch with her and let her know you heard this interview, and that would be a great first step. Guadalupe Relic at gmail.com. Anything else? Yes, and um, I just wanted to say for everybody who prays Hail Marys, you can also send an email with your petitions, with your needs. And what we do is we print them off and we put them in a basket at the foot of the relic image for three months. So she has them right there. Super. All right. Well, thanks so much. And I also want to thank James Jacoby, who is producing first time uh, an interview of the week. He is 
a wonderful young man who is interested in radio and television and just a, a, a delightful, optimistic, you know, joy-filled young man. And so Cicel has been training him to run the board for this. So thank you, James, for your work. I, as far as I can tell, it went flawlessly. Okay. Uh, it sounds like everything went very well. So thank you, James. And thank you so much for having me and for all your audience. It's always a joy to be here with you. Amen. Thank you. And our, our lady, uh, please uh, be with us. I'm looking. Uh, oh, I was going to say we should pray with uh, Hail Mary, but we actually are out of time. So let's just say Hail Mary, uh, Our Lady Guadalupe, please pray, pray for, for us. us. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 